In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This evening we consider the Christian questions and their answers, actually 7 through 12, I misspoke before, 7 through 12. Uh, Let's say those first. So they're on the back of your insert. Who is Christ? How many gods are there? Only one, but there are three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What has Christ done for you that you trust in him? He died for me and shed his blood for me on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. Did the Father also die for you? How do you know this? From the Holy Gospel, from the words instituted in the sacrament, and by his body and blood, given me as a pledge in the sacrament. What are the words of institution? So you hear in the questions and their answers an intimate connection between both who Jesus is and what he has come to do. If Jesus is not true man, then he cannot suffer and die under God's wrath with the stroke of justice delivered by the Father in order to pay the penalty for all sinful men. But also it's necessary that he be true God. Because God alone has the power to rescue us from sin, death, and hell. Those powers don't belong to us, and they do not come from us. So it is essential that we confess who Jesus is according to the Holy Scriptures, as both true God and true man. And that we also distinguish the persons, that is Jesus, not the Father and the Spirit who died for us. Because he is true God and true man, then both he has the power to forgive sins, but also then suffers the penalty necessary to work forgiveness of sins for us. And as you heard in the words of institution, which institute the sacrament, forgiveness of sins is the heart and center of the sacrament of the altar. The reason we receive Christ's body and blood in the sacrament is for the forgiveness of sins. And with the forgiveness of sins, it does two things for us. One, it gives us or strengthens faith in us toward God, as we say in the post-communion collect from Luther, and also increases in us love toward one another. 
Thereby we confess that in receiving Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, it works and does great things. Increasing our faith toward God, trusting in him, right? What has Christ done for you that you trust in him? That he has shed his blood for me on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. But then also that forgiveness of sins bears fruit in our life, worked by the Holy Spirit in love, love made manifest in the forgiveness of sins for one another. Thus we heard three readings that deal with the way that our lack of faith in God for the forgiveness of sins worked in the sacrament is manifest in our lives of lack of forgiveness for one another. First being of Pharaoh. God objectively forgives sins in Christ. It's by his holy declaration. Pharaoh pleaded before Moses for forgiveness. Of course, you notice he put conditionals on that forgiveness. Just this once and for this sin only. Pharaoh, of course, not being a believer, just looking to have, well, forgiveness work a temporarily relief, temporary relief from the plagues. Of course, his heart still being hard and not subjecting himself in faith toward God, but rather just looking for that temporal uh, punishment to be removed. Forgiveness must be received in faith and by faith alone. Without faith, forgiveness becomes just a tool like Pharaoh wanted just to give himself and his people some relief. The Lord, of course, knew his heart. His heart was already quite hard from all the previous plagues, it was clear, and that Pharaoh only sought to consider God a God amongst gods at the most. A God, yes, who was bringing these plagues upon him, but not the God of gods and Lord of lords. So the Lord even increases Pharaoh's heart, keeps him under sin so that he will get glory over him and deliver his people, so that God's own people will understand that it is only by his rescue that they are to be saved. Pharaoh lacks faith in God. He lacks faith in that word of forgiveness. And he doesn't look to God for his every need in body and life. Only just this once and for this sin only. The second story, I didn't give you probably enough context, but it was from 2 Corinthians. If you remember the first letter to Corinthians, Paul had a great deal of discipline to to apply to that church to which he had planted. Because they had... Uh, were openly allowing rebellious and unbelief in the congregation. A gross sexual sin was being done in the congregation, and everybody was looking the other way. And we can guess why, because the person had some notoriety or perhaps was a, uh, a big donor to the congregation. And so Paul writes a letter and says that this permissiveness of open a rebellious, open, unrepentant sin in the congregation was going to be their hurt and their ruin. It was going to bring about a destruction of faith because they were living contrary to God's word. Or even if they themselves weren't committing the sin, they were allowing that sin to persist in their congregation. So he admonished them and disciplined them and told them basically to cut it out and to bring correction to the man who was sinning openly and unrepentantly to bring that man to confession for the sake of forgiveness of sins. That's the first letter to the Corinthians. 
And later, the church in Corinth, it turns out, had brought such severe judgment against this man and against others and had never actually declared the word of forgiveness to him, even after he had perhaps broken off the relationship and had repented. So there's that opposite side, too, to fail to discipline for sin in order to bring about repentance towards forgiveness is one side, but then not to declare forgiveness to the one who has been disciplined severely and brought to repentance is the other side. Both is a failure to preach God's word, all the words that have been given by God, both law and gospel. So it is to be given, forgiveness is to be given to the offenders, those who have sinned against us. The cause of that unforgiveness, in this case, the second letter to to the church in Corinth, is a lack of faith, again. A lack of faith that God will bring about the amendment of life that, well, he's looking for in this man who has confessed his sin and is looking for forgiveness. We believe that it's our job to amend our life, and this is incorrect, by the way, contrary to scriptures, and only then will God forgive us. But as the scriptures teach, Christ came for us, he was sent for us, he died for us, even while we were yet sinners. Even before the word of confession came out of our mouth, he had already declared his forgiveness of you and of me and of all sinners. And so it is that they should have been quick to speak the word of forgiveness. And so now Paul has to bring more apostolic discipline upon the church to remind them not only to call people to repentance for the sake of forgiveness of sins, but then to actually deliver the forgiveness of sins. Let the gospel be preached amongst them. Because as Christ had forgiven them, so they were to forgive one another. Of course, Paul didn't come up with this teaching on his own. This is what he was instructed by our Lord, and indeed all the apostles had received. And so we heard the parable about forgiveness. And how forgiveness is not only to work faith toward God, but also that forgiveness also is manifest in loving forgiveness for one another. And so, forgiveness from the Lord was given to the brother, the master, to the servant. And it was received freely, not with any expectation of return. But of course then, the master who forgave the debt undeservedly, well, would expect that that forgiveness would be then given to his fellow to the servant, to the fellow servants. A gift that's received but never given fails to be a, actually ceases to be a gift. Christ forgives you, not that you would keep that forgiveness to yourself, but rather than that would work forgiveness for you, but then out for others, for your spouse, for your children, for your co-workers, for your neighbors. Forgiveness is given to change your heart not only with faith toward God, have a clear conscience before God, but also then that you would set others in their conscience free as you declare forgiveness in Jesus' name to one another. So that is why the man had forgiveness taken back from him, because he never believed it in the first place, as is evident by his failure to forgive his neighbor. Now, we're not saying that forgiving one another is an easy task. If it were such an easy task then God would declare you forgiven once, perhaps at baptism or when you're brought to faith, 
through the word, and then never, you'll never hear that word again. And then you would live a perfect life of love toward your neighbor, always forgiving others as you had been forgiven once and for all by Christ at his cross and received by you, perhaps in baptism or in the word of absolution, pronounced. But that's not how things go, is it? You come to divine service repeatedly, weekly, frequently, even bi-weekly here in Lent, to hear that word again, that in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you, in the name of Jesus, all your sins. Right? Why? Because that faith in Christ's forgiveness, worked by the Holy Spirit, it has an enemy in our own sinful flesh, an enemy in this world, and an enemy in the devil's lies. The word of forgiveness once believed, well, the enemies seek to undermine it so that you don't believe that your sins are forgiven or that that forgiveness has anything to do with your daily life. So it is essential that the Christian church always proclaim the gospel, that is, the free forgiveness in Jesus Christ, even daily and richly, so that we believe again that Christ truly has forgiven all of our sins, past, present, and future, and that we are restored then in faith toward him, And he gives us that forgiveness then in many ways, not just with a word of absolution declared, but in the proclamation of the gospel from the pulpit. A reminder of your baptism and the forgiveness that was washed upon you in Christ's blood there in the font. But, of course, preparing for the sacrament with the questions and answers, to receive that forgiveness into your own body, through Christ's own body and blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. That forgiveness of sins received frequently and richly here in divine service then changes you or restores you, if you like, increases faith toward God, but also love toward one another. What that means is that forgiveness, the gospel proclaimed in Jesus Christ, is the heart and center of the Christian church. It is the means by which Christ gathered you into this church. It's the means by which the Holy Spirit keeps you in this church. And it is also the means that God uses to transform this church into a community of believers forgiving one another, showing the world, actually, that there is a better way, not the way of vengeance and wrath, of guilt and punishment, but the way of forgiveness, and with forgiveness, life and salvation. May God increase this faith in you that you would trust in his word of forgiveness, and that this word of forgiveness would work in you by the Spirit, love for one another. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org that's stjohnrandomlake.org slash support and give today.